Finn. The three Greystone kids always raced each other home when they got off the school bus, and Finn always won. It wasn't because he was the fastest. Even he knew that his older brother and sister, Chess and Emma, let him win so he could make a grand entrance. Today, he burst into the house calling out, Mom, we're home. It's time to come and adore us. Adore had been on his second grade spelling list two weeks ago, and it had been a great discovery for him. So that was what it was called, the way he had felt his entire life. Emma, who was in fourth grade, dropped her backpack on the rug beside him and kicked off her red sneakers. They flipped up and landed on top of the backpack. Someday, Finn vowed he would get Emma to teach him that trick. 23, Emma said. There was no telling what she might have been counting. Finn hoped it was a prediction of how many chocolate chips would be in every cookie mom was probably baking for them right now for their after-school snack. Finn sniffed. The house did not smell like cookies. Oh, well. Mom worked from home, designing websites, and sometimes she lost track of time. If today was more of a goldfish crackers and apple slices kind of day, that was okay with Finn. He liked those too. Mom, he called again. Your afternoon break entertainment has arrived. She's in the kitchen, Chess said, hanging his own backpack on the hook where it belonged. Can't you hear? That would mean Finn had to listen for once instead of talking. Emma said, rubbing Finn's head fondly and making his messy brown hair even messier. Finn knew she didn't mean it as an insult. He was pretty sure Emma liked talking as much as he did. Chess was the one everyone called the quiet Greystone. He was in sixth grade and had grown four inches in the past year. Now Finn had to tilt his head all the way back just to see his brother's face. He also cupped his hand over his ear and pretended to be listening really, really hard. There was a low mumble coming from the kitchen. Maybe a man's voice? Is mom watching TV? Chess asked. She never does that during the day. The kids all knew their mother's routine. She never listened to anything but classical music while she worked. Because she said songs with words were too distracting. And when she really didn't want to be disturbed, she worked in a windowless room in the basement. The computer down there didn't even connect to the internet. The three Greystone kids called that the boring room. Now Finn laughed at his older brother. Are you going to stand around asking stupid questions when you could get your answer just by walking into the kitchen? Finn asked. Let's go eat. He dashed toward the kitchen, dodging both Emma's backpack and the family cat, Rocket, lying in the middle of the floor. He yelled, Mom, can I cut up apples? It's my turn, isn't it? Mom was standing at the kitchen counter with her back to Finn, but she didn't turn around. She had both hands clenched to the edge of the counter as if she needed to hold on. Her cell phone lay face down on the floor by her feet. Her laptop sat on the counter in front of her, but it was tilted up so Finn couldn't see what was on the screen. Mom, Finn tried again. She still didn't turn around. It was like she didn't even hear him, like she was in a soundproof bubble. This was not like mom. She had never acted like this before. Then she began to moan. No, 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 no. Chapter two, Emma. Emma had had a substitute teacher that day. The sub had dressed all in gray and had gray hair and a gray face and even a gray voice somehow. Emma decided that was possible. And the sub made the entire day so dreary and dull that Emma had started looking for and counting weird things about the day just to keep herself awake. The thing was, if you started looking for weirdness, suddenly everything seemed that way. Wasn't it weird that the pattern of coats hanging up in the classroom went blue, green, red, blue, green, red twice in a row? 
wasn't it weird the sub could have a gray voice? Or was that just normal for her? By the, by the time Emma got off the school bus and began racing toward the house, she counted 21 things she considered indisputably weird. To her way of thinking, that actually made the day pretty interesting. And she was excited to tell mom about the new trick she'd discovered for surviving school. Then she no- noticed that the porch light was still on, even though mom usually turned it off when Emma and her brothers left for school. And then, stepping into the house, Emma noticed that the living room curtains were still drawn tight across the windows. And so were the blinds on the bay window at the back of the house. This turned the living room's cheery yellow walls dim and shadowy, made the whole house feel like a cave or a hideout. 23 weird things in one day. What if that was a normal amount and Emma had just never noticed before? She'd have to count again some other day, or really lots of other days, to know for sure. Finn and Chess started yammering on about mom in the kitchen and TV. Emma joined in and then rubbed Finn's head because it felt good to do something normal again. Mussing Finn's hair was like petting a dog. You just had to do it. Finn had thick, unruly hair with cowlicks that sprang up no matter how much mom smoothed them down. Finn being Finn, he claimed this meant his hair had superpowers. And now Finn racing off to the kitchen shouting about apples. Emma looked up at Chess and they both shrugged and grinned and followed Finn. But when they got to the kitchen... Mom wasn't hugging Finn and reaching out to hug Emma and Chess, too. Finn stood in the middle of the kitchen, staring at Mom. Mom stood at the counter with her back to hit the kids, all her attention focused on her laptop. And the voice coming out of the laptop was saying, the kidnapped children are in second and fourth and sixth grade. Chapter three, Chess. Mom, Chess said quietly. His mother's shoulders shook, and then as if she was fighting for control, her whole body went still. Just like before, Chess thought. Of the three Greystone kids, Chess remembered the awful day their father died. Chess had been four, Emma two, and Finn only a baby. But even Chess's memories of that day were more like puzzle pieces he kept in a box in his mind rather than one continuous video. Chess remembered the two sad-faced police officers at the door. He remembered the red matchbox car he had been holding in his hands when the door opened. He remembered the way mom's shoulders shook before her back went ramrod straight and she turned around to face Chess and Emma and Finn. Now mom was reaching for the top part of her laptop as if she planned to shut it and hide whatever it was said. Something made Chess stride quickly across the kitchen and grab her hand to stop her. Someone was kidnapped, he said. He caught a glimpse of a few words at the bottom of the computer screen. Three kids in Arizona. Was it anyone you know? No, mom whispered. Her dark eyes were wide and dazed. The color had drained from her face. Shock, Chess thought. The school nurse had come in and taught a first aid unit to sixth graders earlier that year, and Chess was proud of himself for remembering the symptoms. It was just a shame he couldn't remember any treatment. Maybe he was feeling a little bit shocked himself. It was scary that anyone would kidnap anyone. But Arizona was a thousand miles away, and it wasn't like there would be some crime ring going around kidnapping kids from any family who had a second grader, a fourth grader, grader. Mom, maybe you should sit down, Emma said. Hmm, maybe that was one of the treatments for shock. Chess shot his sister a grateful look and took his mother's arm, ready to help her help ease her toward the kitchen table. Rocky, Emma, and Finn Gastano were last seen leaving the school Los Perales Elementary in Mesa, the voice coming out of the laptop speaker said. Then started cracking up. Isn't that funny, he cried. Two of those kids have the same first names as me and Emma. The 
that's the third fin I've ever known. Well, not that actually, not that I actually know this one, but he slugged chess in the arm. Don't you feel bad that you don't have the same name as some kid who's famous now? And I bet when they find these kids, they'll get all the ice cream they want and all the toys they want. And their parents probably won't make them do homework ever again. But what if nobody ever finds these kids? Chess thought. He was about to say that to Finn. Yeah, I've never met another kid named Rochester. Chess forced himself to fake a smile at Finn or with the nickname Chess. Oh, well, maybe you should sue mom for giving you such a different name, Finn suggested. Or maybe I should sue for getting such a boring, ordinary name, Emma countered. Did you know there are three other Emmas in the fourth grade and eight others in the rest of the school? But Chess turned out, tuned out his brother and sister because mom lifted one hand and pointed toward the laptop screen. The way she held her hand was like a nightmare, like a Halloween ghost, like someone under a witch's spell in a fairy tale. It was like she could only point, not speak. We're repeating the information we have. About the Gastano children, the voice coming from the laptop said. A photo of a friendly-looking, dark-haired boy appeared on the screen. The oldest of three kidnapped siblings, Rochester Charles Gastano, who goes by Rocky, just turned 12 last Tuesday. Chess's hearing blanked out temporarily. His middle name was Charles, too, and his 12th birthday had been last Tuesday. How could there be another Rochester Charles born the exact same day as him? And how could that other kid have been kidnapped? Chapter four, Finn. Everybody was acting too serious. They'd all stopped talking, even Emma. She'd taken the last two steps to join mom and Chess at the counter to stare silently at the laptop screen. Hello, Finn said. It's snack time, remember? Nobody answered. Remember how you're always telling me I have to quit right away when I'm playing computer games and you think it's time for us to do something else? Finn tried again. He walked over and reached his hand for the power button on the laptop. He wasn't really planning to switch it off. He'd heard too many lectures from mom about not messing with her work. He just wanted to tease mom a little until she acted normal again. Emma surprised him by grabbing his hand. At first, it seemed like something she, it seemed like she was trying to stop him from doing something dumb. Then it started feeling like she needed to hold his hand. Finn stood on his tiptoes and peered at the screen. He saw three pictures in a row with names and ages beneath. The kids in the picture all had brown hair, just like Finn and Chess and Emma did. And they all stared out at Finn with stiff school picture day smiles on their faces, as if they'd gotten the same warning Finn always got. Remember, this is your official photo for the entire year, so no goofing off. The youngest boy, the one Finn was already thinking of as other Finn, was perfectly snaggletooth, with one adult front tooth partially grown in and one front tooth missing entirely. Finn felt a little jealous. He'd lost both his front teeth two weeks after picture day last fall. And for some reason, mom wouldn't agree to let him have his picture retaken just because of that. But mom, this is what I looked like in second grade, he argued, sticking his tongue in the hole where his teeth used to be, just for the sheer joy of it. Don't you want to remember me this way forever? Don't worry, mom had said, laughing and pretending to try to catch his tongue before he yanked it back. I'm not going to forget regardless. Finn dropped his gaze to see if other Finn was a smidge older. And if that was the reason... He'd been lucky enough to lose his front teeth right before school picture day. Finn Michael Gustano, he said below the picture, born 3-4-11. He has the same middle name as me, Finn said, stunned. And wait, does 3-4-11 mean March 4th? 
He has the same name as you, Chess said, sounding dazed, and the same birthday. And that Emma is Emma Grace, just like me, Emma added. She kept her gaze aimed at the screen as if she was too surprised to look away. And her birthday is April 14th, too. That's crazy, Finn said. Weird, weird, weird. Did they just steal our names and birthdays? Or I know. He yanked his hand away from Emma and put his fists on his hips and tried to look stern. Mom, did you let that other family clone us? He wanted everybody to laugh. He needed everybody to laugh. And then mom would shut the laptop and forget the other kids. She would bring out snacks and ask Finn and Emma but Chess and Chess about school, just like normal. But mom did none of those things. Even when Finn went over and snuggled against her, she didn't move. She just kept staring at the kids who'd been kidnapped. Chapter five, Emma. Finn, you're being silly, Emma said. Clones would look would look like us, but not have the same names and birthdays. The girl on the computer screen had straight light brown hair, while Emma's was darker and wavy. It was hard to tell from a tiny picture, but the other girl may have even had bluish purple eyes, while Emma's were dark brown, almost black. Also, the other girl's chin was rounder. Her cheeks were fuller. Her gaze was a little too peaceful. In every picture anyone had ever taken of Emma, she looked like she was trying to solve a complicated math problem in her head. Sometimes she was. Having your picture taken was boring. Seeing the picture of someone with your exact same name, exact same birthday, and almost your exact same name who'd been kidnapped wasn't boring. It was the weirdest thing that had happened all day. But like all the other weirdness she'd cataloged that day, was it really all that stunning? Emma was glad Finn's question had awakened her brain again. Statistics, Emma said. Probability. There are billions of kids in the world. Probably millions of girls named Emma who have two brothers. Maybe thousands who have one brother named Finn. Hundreds or, well, at least dozens who have a brother named Rochester. That's probably some formula you could do to figure out the chances that parents who liked the name Emma would like the other two names too. And, the birth and for the birthdays, there are only 365 possible birthdays anyone could have. 366 if you count leap year, leap day. So you just need 367 people in a room together to be sure that at least one pair has the same birthday. How many do you need to have three pairs of birthday all at the same time? Chess said. Emma was pretty sure that there was a way to figure that out, but her mind was attacking the harder problem. How would you calculate the chances that two sets of siblings would have the same names in the same order? You'd have to know the number of possible names, wouldn't you? Since people could just make up any name they wanted for their kids, that didn't, for their kids, was that even possible to put a number on? Emma didn't like it when math failed her. The kidnapping, mom whispered. The odds that anyone's children would be kidnapped are, are tiny, Emma finished for her. But this is like the chances of winning the lottery. There are overwhelming odds against anyone winning the lottery. So it's stupid to buy a ticket. But somebody is going to win. Somebody gets to be the one in a million or else it'd be a zero in a million chance. But it's only one person who has the good luck. Being kidnapped sounds like bad luck to me, Finn said, giggling. Then he furrowed his brow and pointed at the laptop screen. Or are you saying those kids used up all the bad luck so that we never have to worry about being kidnapped? Thank you, other Finn and other Emma and other Rochester. I hope you get found soon. Mom seemed to shake herself and look down at Finn as if she was seeing him really seeing him for the first time since he'd walked into the kitchen. Then she lifted her head and gaze and darted, and her gaze darted first to Emma, then to Chess. 
She reached out and hugged all three kids, pulling them together so tightly that Emma could barely survive. You don't have to worry about being kidnapped, she said in her usual firm voice. I promise I'll do everything I can to prevent that. It would have been really reassuring, except that mom's voice quivered at the very end. And why would mom think that she needed to prevent anything? Chapter six, chess. Chess woke up in the middle of the night with aches in his legs, growing pains, he thought. Mom had explained to them, explained them to him a year ago, and then she'd helped him look up, look them up online. Ben had asked, what? It hurts to grow as tall as chess? Maybe I'll just stay short. Finn was so little, was still little. Finn was still so little, he thought you could control things like that. Chess couldn't remember his own brain ever working that way. Thinking he got to choose whatever he wanted for as long as Chess could remember, he'd had to be the responsible, oldest kid, the one who had to help mom with Emma and Finn, the mini grown-up. Was it just because dad had died when all three of them were so young? Or did the other Rochester, the one who'd been kidnapped, feel that way too? Chess could picture the old other Rochester, Rocky, crouched beside his younger brother and sister in some locked, windowless back of a van somewhere or somewhere or some locked windowless basement. The younger kids would be crying, but Rocky would be telling them, everything's going to be all right. I'll take care of you. Even if he was really thinking, there's no way out. What are we going to do? Chess could picture it too well. Those kids have probably already been rescued, he told himself. They probably got balloons and welcome home banners and toys and ice cream, just like Finn said hours ago. But Chess had seen how mom kept checking her phone under the table all through dinner. And even afterward, while everyone was doing homework, she also kept her laptop balanced on her knees when as special as a special treat before bedtime, she let them watch the first half of the Lego Batman movie. She said she was typing up invoices to send out for her business, the kind of mindless work she could do while keeping one eye on animated Legos. But Chess was pretty sure she'd been checking the news websites, too. Mom would have told them if there had been any news about the kids in Arizona being rescued. Chess stretched his legs, then slipped out of bed. Sometimes it helped to stand up. Sometimes it helped to walk. He had decided to go get a drink of water. But just as soon as he put his hand on his doorknob, he heard another door open down the hall. Chess peeked out. The nightlight in the hallway cast eerie shadows. But he could, but he could tell that Mom's door was open down at the opposite end of the hall. A moment later, he heard the creak of the third step down on the stairway. So mom's going downstairs, Chess thought. Sometimes when she couldn't sleep, she got up and worked in the middle of the night. She always said, that's the great thing about working for myself. I could work all night and sleep all day if I want to. I don't have a boss telling me what to do. But Chess wondered if that happened more often when she was worried or upset. Did she ever wake up in the middle of the night and try to remember everything she could about dad the way Chess did sometimes? And was that maybe the reason she decided to get up and work instead? Chess decided to follow her. He tiptoed down the hall and went down the stairs by twos. It was only the third and the ninth ones that squeaked. So his descent was totally silent. He didn't want to wake Emma or Finn. Sometimes when the younger kids weren't around, mom could, would tell Chess things she wouldn't tell them. But when Chess got down to the first floor, mom was nowhere in sight. With all the curtains and blinds down, Chess had to navigate by the thin slats of moonlight that trickled along the edges. Once he got to the kitchen, he also had the red glow of the digital clock on the stove. It was 3.15 a.m., exactly when Chess noticed that the door to the basement was slightly ajar. Seriously, 
just thought, it's the middle of the night and mom still has to go down to the boring room to keep from being distracted. He started down the basement stairs, but froze when he heard mom talking. I thought you'd never call, she was saying. Who would call mom in the middle of the night? Who would she want to talk to then? Chess strained his ears, trying to listen for the barest of hum, barest hum of a reply, but there was nothing. Maybe the person on the other end of the phone call was whispering. Do not tell me to calm down, mom said. This is exactly what I was afraid of. The pause was shorter this time. Mom exploded again. Oh, right. It's not my kids, she said. Not yet, but it's somebody's kids. It's kids I can imagine really well because I know exactly what an 8 and a 10 and a 12-year-old are like. And I'll tell you, they're completely innocent. They're the person on the other end of the phone call must have interrupted her. But maybe she interrupted them or her right or her right back because she didn't pause long enough to take a breath. It's not a coincidence, Joe, she said. She didn't even sound like mom now. She sounded cold and mean and cutting. You have to fix this or so help me, I will.